It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Route on Cofield and Company. It's a Friday, so that means we check in with our Raiders and NFL insider, the former Oakland Raider, Stanford Route, is with us. Stanford, I thought we'd be talking about happier times <laughs> with Raiders. Right now, this feels very messy. Oh, yeah, definitely. It just uh, just seems like uh, they can't get out of their own way. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, you come out the gate, you lose to the Chargers. Okay, they got Justin Herbert. They're a good team. Uh, you can lose to the Arizona Cardinals after you have, uh, a, what is it, 20 point, 20 point lead at halftime. And then, obviously, Kyler Murray shows exactly why great he, how great he is, or should I say why he's revered as one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So you lose that game in overtime. Then now you go week three against the winless Tennessee Titans, and then you lose to them. And that's where it starts to look like, okay, you know what? What's going on here? Let's go ahead and reassess. And uh, there's a lot of people within the organization that are probably looking around wondering, did we hire the right guys? Did we sign the right guys? And so forth. So this is why we have ex-players on so often because I want to know what players feel in situations like this. I didn't play in the NFL, so I don't know. Uh, 2006, you guys with the Raiders not only got off to an 0-3 star, but you actually started off 0-5. But... You know, yep. when you get out, 0-3 is kind of the, the last hope to get that win. And it's coming back from 0-4 is really tough. So that was 2006. Do you remember mm-hmm. the feeling and, and like yes. where the team was yes. under our yes, I remember. What was it like? It's been so long so now I can actually go ahead and give like the truth about it. Uh, I think uh, after we got blown out, or should I say blanked, I think on Monday Night Football by the uh, San Diego Chargers, I believe it was 27-0 week one. And then we go week two. I think we play the Baltimore Ravens. We lose that game pretty uh, pretty badly. And then I forget who week three was and then week four, so on. And I can tell you the vibe among, among the team was we don't really have what it takes to compete. Our offensive coordinator, our offense is not really uh, what it's going to need to be for us to score points. So there a lot of us on the defense side of the ball, especially a lot of the older guys, just had the mentality of, okay, guys, let's make it look good. Let's go out there. Let's play hard. Let's do our part. But we also know that the reality of it is we probably won't win, but we still need to go ahead and put good tape out there on, fo- on, the, on the field. That way we still are looking good with our resume if this team wants to cut us, trade us, whatever you want to call it. So the other uh, mantra was, especially on the defense side of the ball, was just make it look good, guys. The whole thought of we don't have what it takes. Like, you know, I, I know looking back, maybe the offense on the 2016 wasn't good, and John Shoup was the, the OC. This team can't be thinking this, right, that we don't have what it takes. I mean, we all came into the season saying, hey, this team has a couple of holes, but they're freaking loaded on offense. They can't be losing their confidence already. No, no, I don't think so, but it's just it's one of those things that when you come out the gate and you don't win, that's what sometimes it starts to spill over into that where now you're starting to have that doubt seep in and all those types of things. So obviously the Raiders have the talent to win games. There's no doubt about that, but that's when you start to question the play calling, the scheme, things like that. And so uh, it's just human nature for that to naturally creep in and wonder what is the reason why we're not winning. It's, it can be because we don't have good players. So now I go to plan B. I go to, OK, what is the other reasoning? So I got to find some reasons as to why we're not winning because we're not. So clearly it's not just because, you know, the sky is blue why we're not winning. So there's got to be a reason. Is this 0-3 insurmountable to get into the playoffs? I think maybe because you have the 17-game season now, 0-3 may not be insurmountable, but 0-4, I think that's probably the kiss of death. 
So I think that uh, they definitely need to get a victory against the Denver Broncos this week. Denver Broncos, they've been struggling on offense as of late. Ever since Russell Wilson has got over there in this early season so far, they need to get a W. That way they can go ahead and get some level of positivity and hopefully that can springboard them into something down the line. But I think 0-4, to me, maybe not mathematically, but 0-4, you're going to have guys starting to look around wondering if we hired the right head coach, wondering if we had the right free agent signings, if we had the right free agent acquisitions, or should I say trade acquisitions. You're going to have a lot of people, players and other people within the organization, questioning everything that's going on around the Las Vegas Raiders if they lose this week. This Devontae Adams thing is pretty intriguing because his overall number of targets is not bad. He's got 30 targets, but it's been uneven. So give me your take on what's happening here with Devontae and double teams and Carr when he does have openings, may not be throwing the ball to him. There's a lot swirling around Carr and Devontae. No doubt about it. I think it just really just comes down to the simple fact of how you bought this guy over. And obviously, he's one of the top receivers in the league. There's no doubt about that. But teams are going to try to they're going to try to take him away. They're going to try to double team him. They're going to try to do things like that. And when you look at how he was fed at the high volume he was in Green Bay, that's something that Derek Carr doesn't simply do as far as feeding a guy over and over and over. He more so likes to spread the ball around the field. So I think you got, I think you got several different factors that are going into why it seems like it's been uneven, what you're saying about Devontae Adams. I think the defenses are going to try to take him away. I think Derek Carr is a different type of quarterback than Aaron Rodgers as far as specifically feeding a certain target. And then also play calling as far as Josh McDaniels. I think he can do a better job as far as trying to get Devontae Adams going early and try to put him in certain positions where the defense can't take him away or things like that. So I think there's a multitude of factors that go into that. Stanford route, the former Raiders. We break down the slow start for the Raiders with the Broncos on the way here in town on Sunday. Sit tight for a second here, because I want you to listen to one of the other big stories of the week, and that was Dan Orlovsky doing some video breakdown of Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. Listen to this, and I want to see what you think of the assertion at the beginning of the bite and also him breaking down a throw and uh, Adams being the guy that should have been thrown too. That it looks like Derek Carr's purposefully trying not to throw the ball to Devontae Adams. To it feels that way. Wow. This is a deep hook by Devontae Adams, and what you get is cover two up top. Now, everything is off this hook defender. If he goes with the wheel route, throw to Devontae. Mm. He went with the real route. Devontae's wide open. Devontae's wide open on that one. Um, you know, we have a, a quarterback who played at UNLV, who is my partner on the broadcast, Caleb Herring, who listened to some of the, the breakdown. And I thought one of the things that was really interesting that Caleb said was, you know, breaking down film on Devontae Adams and then mentioning, because another clip he was like, I saw that connection all the time with Aaron Rodgers and <laughs> Devontae Adams. And Caleb quickly pointed out, he's like, Aaron Rodgers, from an arm talent standpoint, is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Should we be kind of lowering expectations on some of the routes that maybe Derek doesn't have the confidence or doesn't have the ability to get it there? When Devontae Adams came over, obviously he was a, you know, best friends, good friends, college roommates with, uh, with Derek Carr back in college. No doubt about that. Derek Carr has never been the type of quarterback that's just going to feed somebody consistently over and over and over again. Aaron Rodgers obviously will. So just off of that alone, I already knew coming into this season, Derek, I'm sorry, Devontae Adams, his targets 
and his numbers were not going to be the same that they were in Green Bay. I already knew that coming in. Now, I still think Devontae Adams is going to have a Pro Bowl season. There's no doubt about that. But as far as if you're going to go and do a comparison, as far as whatever numbers he had last year, I believe it was 1,700 receiving yards. I think I just off the top of my head, I could be wrong. But uh, Devontae Adams had the best receiver stats pretty much in the league last year outside of a Cooper Cup for the Los Angeles Rams. If you're looking for identical production going from the NFC North to the AFC West, I think you're going to be sadly mistaken just because different system, different quarterback, different division, different defenses, things like that. So uh, as far as what Dan Orlovsky said on that given play, who knows what was going on through Derek Carr's mind. And you know this just like I do, Steve. A lot of what Raider Nation has been very critical of with Derek Carr is there's times where he doesn't pull the trigger. He doesn't just let it rip. Sometimes he'll hold on to the ball, which will cause him to go ahead and surrender a sack or maybe put the ball in harm's way, things like that. So I just think that it's a multitude of factors that is going into why so far off the rib Derek Carr has not played well. Devontae Adams has not had the numbers that one would expect coming over from Green Bay. Doesn't mean Devontae Adams has lost his step or anything like that, but just people wondering why his numbers are not the same. I think there's so many different factors that go into that. Well, I'll give you an interesting number. We talked about targets. So last year, Adams with Rodgers had 169 targets, so just under 10 per game. Through three games here, He's got 30 targets. Do the math. That's 10 per game. The targets are there, but I'll give you another interesting number. Devontae Adams doesn't have a drop, and he's got 17 catches and 30 targets. So what's happening on those other 13? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's an errant throw. Uh, who knows? But like I said, yeah, you're right. Devontae Adams is very sure-handed. If the ball is thrown in his vicinity, he's probably going to catch it. There's no doubt about that. I understand what you're alluding to, Steve. And like I said, that's why, once again, I knew coming over from the Green Bay Packers, Devontae Adams was not going to have identical numbers. He just wasn't because he's going to, albeit a lesser quarterback, doesn't mean Derek Carr's a slouch. He's just not Aaron Rodgers. So just off of that alone, your numbers are going to take a dip. And I'm pretty sure Devontae Adams also knew that as well. There's no way Devontae Adams really thought coming over, he was going to be playing with the same level tier quarterback. No Devontae Adams, he's not going to say that publicly, and I can understand why, but Devontae Adams did not actually think, I'm going to have the same talent. I'm going to have the same quarterback ability. I'm going to have the same exact numbers as I did uh, previously with the Green Bay Packers. No. Stanford Route is with us. Believe in Raiders is the podcast. Uh, awesome podcast. I heard a lot of the breakdown uh, this week. We'll get to the Broncos here in just a couple minutes. One thing I heard you talk about was Derek Carr's contract. So, Factually, Derek Carr got extended, but the guaranteed money, um, this is going to sound ridiculous, is only $35 million. He's actually only, <laughs> only guaranteed this year. Are we starting to see why Josh McDaniels and Ziegler were like, you know, we'll extend you, but this is kind of still going to be a year-to-year thing, Derek? Well, yeah, I think that uh, you hit it right on the head. I think coming into this season, obviously, I was somebody of the mindset that I would have waited till after this season to go ahead and extend Derek Carr just to go ahead and see, okay, you know what? You now had Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. You have now these bookend edge rushers and a Chandler Jones and a Max Crosby. So now let's see what you can do with all this talent. Let's see if you can turn this into another playoff berth and make that two consecutive years rather than just 2016 and then again in the 2021 season so that's why i would have waited and obviously with new with the new england regime coming over to the las vegas raiders a little bit of the same mindset was there okay we're going to work with you we're going to extend you 
but we're not about to just go ahead and be linked to you with some large, exorbitant, guaranteed salary, guaranteed money. That way we can't get out from up under this if we feel like you're playing at an underwhelming level or we're just simply dissatisfied with your performance. I'm going to give you another soundbite here on the offense, and I thought this was interesting from Josh McDaniels. I thought there were a couple of kind of coded messages in this, and a lot of it's about uh, what they're seeing at the start of games, that they may be a little surprised by the change in what they thought was coming at them from a defensive standpoint. One of the things that's really been interesting, and I've experienced this a couple other times in my life, the scouting report almost takes a, you know, a right or a left turn at the beginning of the game because a team decides to do something dramatically different than maybe what they did against two or three opponents prior to your game. You can't necessarily predict it. The most important thing we can do is read the defense because if you're going to just assume that one guy is going to be open. I thought the beginning was maybe a little too much information where he's saying you can't predict it. That's your job. And then your job beyond that is if it takes a right or left turn, the scattering report against the defense, you have to adjust. It's a game of adjustments. And then you notice he quickly pivoted to you got to read the defense. So then I think he's getting after Carr on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely have to read the defense. Obviously, the coaches can go ahead and put together a game plan based on what they've shown on film. But if they come out there and they do something different, you have to improvise. You have to then have to just go back to just being a football player. So uh, so that's definitely something that is as much on the quarterback, is as much on the players as it is on the coaching staff getting the, together the game plan and also having a plan B, knowing how to adjust, something that made Bill Belichick so successful, knowing how to make in-game adjustments. That is something Josh McDaniels is going to have to do a better job. Of. All right, what happens in this Broncos game? Good defensive team, kind of struggling Denver is on offense. The Raiders going to go out there and get it done? I think the Raiders are going to get a victory this week. I think they're going to get it. They're going to get back in that winner's column, something they have not been in since, what is it, uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers uh, season finale last year. I think they're going to get back on it. They're going to get a victory. I predict the score 24-20. Okay, low-scoring tilt. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not banging on the Raiders. Uh, if they win the game, they win the game. But also that's interesting that you're, you're capping it at 24, which has kind of been you know, their max total this year. It's, uh, it's really interesting. We'll see what kind of adjustments are made. And uh, if Denver can light him up, I don't think they will. So I agree with you. It's going to be a close game. Stanford, you're awesome, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for checking in. Make sure you uh, check out Stanford's Believe in Raiders podcast with Dennis Ackerman. Thank you so much. All right, man. Be good. I'll talk to you next week, Steve. The former Oakland Raider Stanford route with us here on Cofield and Company. Giveaway time. Two tickets, 364-1100. For what? Caller 7 will get into the show at Park MGM. Eddie Vedder, lead singer of Pearl Jam, is playing October 7th. That's next Friday. Two tickets to Eddie Vedder, 364-1100. Caller number 7. If you don't win these tickets, you can grab yours at Ticketmaster.com. It's Eddie Vedder, October 7th at Park MGM, 364-1100. Caller number 7. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Let's go! The football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. It is football frenzy from down here at the Golden Circle inside the TI. Your spot every Friday. It's really your spot every day. All the great TVs, the great food, drinks. Everything going on. ton of energy with the guys always playing the, I don't think it's Sigma Derby. It's Fortune Cup horse racing game. That's always a treat. So much going on and so much going around around sports tonight in Las Vegas. You heard it right there as we came back. The lights are playing down at Cashman. 
The Golden Knights over at T-Mobile at a preseason game. And UNLV football coming up 8 o'clock. You can hear Steve Cofield on that broadcast over from Allegiant Stadium. I'm going to try to go to both. Try to do Golden Knights, do the post game, and then head on over to the second half of UNLV. Big game. Big game for the Rebs over at Allegiant Stadium. They should win. Big favorite against New Mexico. It's not a must win, but you start off conference with a win. You're 4-1. Ah, that loss to Cal starts to hurt a little more because they were right in it. They had a chance to win at the end. Could be 5-0. and But 4-1 and would be real nice for this UNLV football team. You don't want to throw away what you've done earlier in the year by dropping a game here against New Mexico. But let's get to it. <laughs> the silence on Brett Favre is just growing louder and louder. What is everyone waiting for? This is a bad person who did unspeakably awful things. Why are we all still silent about this? And I don't mean we. We've screamed about it on the show. So many people being quiet. There are starting to be some trickles, though. Some people are starting to turn a little bit. And not that she was necessarily tied to him uh, in a very public way, but uh, Abby Wambach, former uh, women's U.S. soccer star, was called, by, I believe by a reporter, because she is invested in a company and does business, works with a company that Brett Favre is part of, that he's endorsed, that he has pushed, and that he actually uh, maybe misdirected some funds from, allegedly. Uh, she was called and said, why are you still part of this company? And she immediately said, I'm not. I'm out. She's divesting. She's getting out of it. She's getting away from it. Uh, it's these little things. Again, it's a very little gesture. But it's significant to her, and it's significant enough to talk about it, to write about it. These are the things that have to start to happen for the chorus to grow against Brett Favre. But not that, you know, whatever. The legal system's going to take care of itself. He's going to be in whatever trouble he deserves for what he did. But I think in the court of public opinion, he seems to have not gotten a pass, but people are hesitant to just go after him and, and you know, say the things that should probably be said about him. We'll see if that starts to change with some athletes at least, uh, starting with Abby Wambach here, coming out and saying, I'm no longer going to be part of this company that he was pushing. And a completely different story. Miles Garrett hopes to play on Sunday. Of course, we heard about the accident he was in earlier this week. Speeding, for sure, when we were told. He has some speeding issues in the past as well. That came up. As part of this story, he's gotten several tickets. In this case, sounds like he was going 65 and a 45, but in a dangerous 45-mile-per-hour zone and flipped the car. Fortunately, though there were some injuries to him and his passenger, uh, they are both going to fully recover. And Miles Garrett, again, hopes to play this Sunday for the Browns. But one of the first things that I saw people rushing to when they saw that he was speeding, oh, another Henry Ruggs, another Henry Ruggs, first of all. Not everything has to be compared to something that happened. Secondly, yes, Henry Ruggs is a story of speed, for sure. But it's more a story of driving drunk and speeding, and speeding in a an incredibly reckless manner, allegedly again. But Miles Garrett was driving like an idiot, it sounds like, and it sounds like he has a habit of doing that. But that's not exactly the same as going three times that fast and intoxicated on neighborhood streets 
there is a difference. Not everything has to be compared to something, and especially the most horrible example of things. I know, obviously, Henry Ruggs came up earlier this week in regards to, the, for some reason, some people on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, we don't have to rush everything to be equated to the worst possible scenario in a situation. Just be happy that Miles Garrett is happy. He says he has learned a lesson. He said he has been kind of reckless in his driving, been out of control. Calm down with rushing to compare it to the worst-case scenario in every situation. Hopefully, for his sake and for the Browns' sake, he'll be able to play. If not, he should be back soon, and we can all be thankful that there was not a not, – we don't have to learn this lesson in a tragedy. We can at least learn it in a situation that turned out for the best for everyone. Former NFL cornerback and ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider Mark McMillan is live on Cofield and Company now. Five o'clock hour live with Cofield and Company, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Mark McMillan is checking in. Mark, we got to start out with uh, some of the scary moments of Thursday night football. And I know you were not happy with the way Amazon treated the Tua injury by showing him down on the ground and replays over and over and over again. Yeah, that was that was hard to watch. You know, the first time I saw it, uh, the replay, me and my son, he was like, man, why do they keep showing this? And, and like they just kept showing it. They kept zooming in on it. Um, you know, the NFL is like, hey, we, we don't glorify, you know, big hits and uh, we don't want to promote violence in the game. But yet here they are showing Tua on the ground uh, in a very bad state of state that I've never seen a player uh, lock up like that. I've never I've been playing this game a long time. Uh, I've seen guys get knocked out. Andre Waters. I saw Michael Irvin uh, land on the turf in Philly, uh, but I've never seen a player like this. It was so scary, man. And uh, as a fan uh, of the game and knowing how dangerous the game is, uh, you know, Amazon, come on. Like it, it, that was terrible. And all my players, you know, all my former players, you know, we're texting back and forth. And we're, we're, we're barking up the same sentiment. Like, how can you show this? And as so many times and then speculate, it was just really bad, uh, really bad coverage. And then people really went in on social media on both the Dolphins and the NFL saying that, hey, it looked like the guy had a concussion last week. You said it wasn't. You said it was a, a back and then, a, you know, an ankle eventually. Um, what's your thought on how the NFL needs to police individual team decisions when it comes to head trauma? Well, we thought we were moving ahead with that. Um, we thought we were way ahead of the game with, you know, a player gets a concussion, he has to sit out, have to go through the protocol. Uh, there are certain things he has to go through. Uh, you look at Nate Hobbs right now for the uh, for the Raiders, who's in the pro- uh, concussion protocol, um, who's not probably going to play on Sunday. Uh, you take Tua, who was visibly dazed and wobbling uh, when he got thrown to the ground uh, last week, and then, you know, they say, hey, it's a back, uh, it's an ankle injury. Uh, Tua's a gamer. Uh, you know, as a football player, we, we're just built different. You know, it's crazy. Uh, it's, it's a violent sport. Uh, but your adrenaline gets to going. You know, you get you, you figure you're playing on Thursday night. It's prime time. You want to help your guys win. But at the same time, as a coach, you have to protect your players. The team has to protect their player. That's your franchise quarterback. And for them to put him in, in, in danger like that, uh, it, it goes to show the lack of care. Um, the lack of uh, knowledge as far as we thought we were ahead of the game with the concussion protocol last week was clearly you don't have to be Ray Charles could have saw uh, you know Tua wobbling off the field you know it was really bad and you know what 72 hours later three four days later he's back on the field 
playing quarterback, uh, you know, that was, that's real bad timing, man. So I, I, I'm really pissed off about the whole situation. Um, you know, knowing I've lost a couple of buddies uh, through concussions and brain injuries, uh, you know, depression. You know, me, myself, I battled that depression, that same depression from concussions and all that. And to see, see my guy, my Bama guy laying on the turf like that, man, uh, this is not going to go away far. This is not going to go away fast. No. Mark McMillan, our NFL insider, former Eagle, played with several other teams as he joined us here on a Friday at Treasure Island. Let's look at week four in the NFL. And first of all, your Eagles were off to a really good start. But this is a really interesting spot. Jaguars look like they're pretty good. Uh, coaching change has made a big difference with Doug Peterson from Urban Meyer. Trevor Lawrence looks closer to the guy that we thought he was coming out of Clemson. What do you think here? Are the Eagles going to win uh, rolling past them because they're laying six and a half? That seems like kind of a big number. I, I'm not going to say they're going to roll past them. Uh, obviously, you know, Jacksonville is a much improved team. Obviously, Doug Peterson knows how to coach. He knows how to coach quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is looking really good. The offense is moving well. The defense still has a little bit of uh, trouble in the secondary. But, you know, the D-line stepped up last week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is, is, is playing lights out. Uh, you know, he's looking really good. He's looking comfortable. He's having a really good, uh, you know, he's got a good running game. Uh, Christian Kirk from the Cardinals is playing really well. Uh, free agent acquisition that they got in the offseason. Uh, their defense is flying around. You know, they got first-round picks, uh, you know, a lot of first-round picks. And now you're seeing those first-round picks starting to flourish and starting to rise high. And they're, they're, they're coming in hungry, uh, you know. And, and uh, it's a scary situation for the Eagles. If I was Philadelphia, I would not sleep on this Jacksonville Jaguar team. It's funny, the Cowboys win on Monday against the Giants. The bookmakers are telling us, big whoop, because, uh, you know, even though they've gotten through a couple of games here successfully with Cooper Rush, the Cowboys are barely a favorite at home, only three and a half against Washington. And I, I think Washington's one of the worst teams in the NFL. Am I overdoing it? I guess the, the, the sportsbook thinks or think that uh, Washington's kind of decent. I don't think Washington is decent at all. Uh, Carson Wentz is uh, the same guy that's, uh, you know, that we saw later on in his career in Philadelphia. Um, obviously, he has no line. He was running for his life last week, uh, you know, with the Eagles. Uh, you know, they had, I don't know how many sacks, five to seven sacks they had. They had interceptions. Uh, so, Washington on the road. Uh, you know, you look at a Dallas Cowboy team who has an amazing defense. You know, it, it pains me to even say anything good about the Cowboys. But, you know, they, they really get after the ball. Uh, Chandler Parsons is one of the great young players in the National Football League that can change the game. Uh, obviously, they, they, they shored up their secondary a little bit more. Uh, Diggs is uh, playing a little bit better. Uh, he's not getting beat on the deep balls as much. Uh, but Washington is a really bad football team right now. And that's surprising because I thought they were going to be much improved this season. By the way, you had a little basketball sneak into your Parsons grade there. You said Chandler Parsons, Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons. Oh, That's funny, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, thinking of the hoop, I'm thinking of the hoop guy. Yep. Yeah, Michael Parsons, uh, you know, he's a great young man. I yeah. see people throwing LT comparisons, the Derek Tommy comparisons. Uh, let's slow down and pump our brakes a little bit, but that young man is a game changer. Yeah, trust me, I get first names wrong all the time. There's a, There's times on the air – Often where I'm like, wait, what's his name? As I'm getting ready to say it, I just blank on stuff. So uh, we're in the same boat on that one. I, I got to ask you about the Packers and the Patriots. So the Packers are big favorites. Uh, Patriots have lost Mac Jones from anywhere from four to eight weeks. It might be towards the, the higher end. He's got a high ankle sprain. What happens when a team loses the, the starting quarterback for four, six, eight games? Because I know you guys were in that position 
in Philly, but you yeah. had good you had good backups. Like your backups were solid. Uh, in the yeah. case of the Patriots and a lot of teams, they've all just gone bargain basement with backups. I don't understand it with how often quarterbacks get hurt. I mean, Brian Hoyer is. I'm sorry, I, I don't. You know, I've heard people say, "Hey, he's like a, he's like a top 35 guy overall in yeah. the NFL at quarterback." I don't believe that. So, what's the psyche of a team when you know you're going to be without your starting quarterback for like four, six, eight weeks? Uh, that's a tough blow. Um, you know, obviously, New England is still trying to find themselves. Uh, you know, they look good one week, they look bad the next week. You lose Mac Jones for a long time. You don't have a true backup. Uh, you look at uh, the game last night uh, with Teddy Bridgewater coming in. You know, that was huge for the Dolphins to have that quality backup quarterback. Uh, like you like you spoke of, you know, if you don't have a quality backup quarterback in this in this league, you know, you're, you're playing with fire uh, because, you know, th- these guys are really getting after the quarterback. Obviously, you know, in Green Bay, you know, uh, you know, way Aaron Rodgers is playing. They're just going to continue to win games. Uh, you know, they're going to be tough. Uh, they got a really good defense. He's got young receivers that's that's you know trying to figure it out on the fly. Uh, but New England, they, they have no identity. Uh, even when they came here and, and scrimmaged against the Raiders, I, I, I didn't see any bright spots in the offense or the defensive side of the ball. So I'm not surprised with the struggles that they're having right now. Mark McMillan, Grillin McMillan up on Twitter is with us here on Cofield and company. We'll get to a couple of uh, food stories and just a couple of minutes but let's flip to the Raiders man what is happening with the Raiders offense this was supposed to be an explosive offense putting up 30 plus points per game it just hasn't come together um is, is there such thing as having too many weapons uh you know it's like they got so many weapons with with so many guys under well now getting paid you know you got Waller uh, who's one of the best tight ends in the game uh, you know, dropping easy passes. You know, those are passes uh, when he didn't have the big payday. He was making those catches. Uh, you know, as a player, you really think about those things. You're like, man, you know, is he getting fat? Is he okay? Uh, you know, with his uh, with his signing bonus, uh, getting his extension. You look at Hunter Renfro, the way they were using him. Clearly, I thought he was going to be on pace to go over 100 catches uh, with Devontae Adams on the outside, uh, getting double teamed a lot. It's like, uh, you know, you hear Derek Carr saying the same thing. I'm going where the coach tells me to go. At some point, Derek Carr, you got to step up and be like, I'm going to throw it to the guy that's open. Um, you know, I, I'm going to just, you know, scratch that, and I'm just going to play football and go out there and have fun. Um, you know, last year, you know, under all the circumstances, Derek Carr had a really good year by just playing free and, and just really going after it. Uh, now, you know, it just seems like he's questioning himself, and uh, I don't know what Josh is thinking. You know, is this the same guy that we saw in Denver? Uh, you know, who knows? So, this week, you got a tough Denver Bronco defense that's coming to town. Uh, their offense is struggling a little bit as well, but man, uh, they can't go on four, Steve. Are you starting to think, or because I'm seeing people say, "Hey, you know what? Three games in, maybe the head coach thing is just not the deal for Josh McDaniels. Maybe he's just not a head coach." Um, that, that's that's what the rumors are going around. You know, even former players. You know, we, we're texting each other, and uh, obviously, you know, when you get two head coaching jobs in the National Football League. That's pretty dang special when you haven't really won anywhere. You know, you look at the Belichick tree, a lot of those guys really haven't panned out once they leave New England. Uh, you know, we just get this notion like, oh, man, he was a coach at New England. He's going to be great. You know, that it happens at Alabama with Nick Saban. You know, those guys go on to be good college coaches. But this is the National Football League when you're dealing with grown men. Uh, you got a 16, 17-week schedule. Um, you know, Josh is saying the same thing in this press conference. You know, it's the same rhetoric. It's like, at some point, let me see some fire. 
You know, get after it. Light, light, light a match under these guys. You know, you look at Chandler Jones, who's not performing, but he's still in the starting lineup. Pull him. You know, we were in Philadelphia when Randall wasn't getting it done. Ray Rose pulled him and put in Rodney Pete. And Rodney Pete took advantage of that opportunity. And we just rolled with Rodney Pete all the way to the playoffs and, and just kept it moving. You know, it was nothing personal. It was just business. You know, obviously Randall retired. Then he goes to Minnesota and breaks all these records. But as a head coach, these are the decisions you have to make. Well, this rivalry is heating up, and I, I guess I should have expected it. First of all, the Broncos fans and former players don't like the Raiders. It's already been a rivalry, but man, oh, man, some former players from the Broncos who do media have no problem coming out and just dropping bombs on Josh McDaniels from his days in Denver. We had Orlando Franklin on a former Broncos OT. You know, He talked about it. Tyler Columbus, another former Bronco, like tweeted out like five different stories about McDaniels. Yeah. I think in the past, we've had Ryan Harris on. He's blasted. McDaniels, he left quite a reputation in Denver. Yeah, he left. It wasn't a good reputation either. Uh, you know, a lot of players that he rubbed the wrong way, um, you know, and they were happy for him to get out of there. And you see it on social media. And I've been seeing those same tweets. Uh, guys are firing at him and not holding back at all. Uh, so it's like, you know, what really happened in Denver for their fan base and some former players be this pissed off at Coach you know, McDaniels uh, for them to come at him like that? And uh, you know, you, you look at if they go on and four, Steve, it's going to be yeah. really bad. And uh, as be, being on the media side, I'm going to call it like it is. You know, he can get mad. He can block me. You know, he can may not answer my cross questions in the press conference. But these are questions that we need to know. When you're a head coach, you got to stand there and take the fire. Mark McMillan is with us. I know you're going to be at the UNLV football game in just a little bit. Kickoff is about uh, three hours away. So let's talk about a happy place right now, which is a you know, bit of a change for UNLV football. It's the opposite of the Raiders. What are you seeing right now? Three and one for the Rebels. I'm seeing what I saw in uh, in training camp. You know, guys just flying around, guys playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, I see the coaches, you know, really pouring into these guys, and it's paying off. You know, uh, obviously you were out there more than I was in the, in the training camp, and, you know, it, it looks like the same team that I saw. Uh, this looked like the same team that I spoke to. And people thought I was crazy when I tweeted out, said, this is a bowl game. This is a bowl-winning program. And people like, UNLV, I'm like, okay, they're only a couple of wins away from going to a bowl game. And, you know, we don't want to, you know, go too far, but this team is playing with a lot of confidence. And, you know, they're having players of the week every week, you yeah. know, whether it's offense, whether it be on defense. And it's been a long time since, you know, we've seen that uh, from this program and those guys going out there and winning tough games on the road. And, you know, that's that's exciting to see these guys put it together. Uh, you know, I'm excited to get out there and, and see these guys play tonight. Uh, I know some of the players are texting me. It's like, man, we really appreciate the support. Uh, I know Coach uh, Arroyo is, is real appreciative of my support as well. So I'm just excited for the program, man. About time. You know, who would have thought the Aces and the UNLV football program is the talk of the town right now here in Vegas? I know you had uh, conversations on Twitter with Austin Ajake. Uh, one of the linebackers for the Rebels, and I noticed you said you really like that guy. Uh, I, I, I love him. Um, you know, I, I remember the first game I went to, and all he did was go out there and just make freaking plays against Idaho State. And, you know, he was just flying around like a madman. And he's a very humble kid. Uh, you know, it, it's really cool to interact with these kids and get the response back from them. Um, so I, I'm just excited for all these kids uh, because I saw a lot of these kids play in high school and junior college. So, um, I'm looking for for a good game tonight, exciting game. Fans need to come out and support this program. Come on out, you know. Don't just be like, well, you know. It's just, no, these guys are 
busting their tails. And there, there's some really good players on this team uh, and some really good talent. Brunfield is playing at, a, at one of the highest levels of any college quarterback there is. Yeah, right now, Brumfield by Pro Football Focus because they rank college players. They rate college players. They watch the film. He's 13th in the country uh, amongst all the quarterbacks. One other thing to mention, they had five INTs last week against Utah State, four of them by the defensive backs. And what I'm noticing, and this is a conversation you and I have had, is ball recognition when it's in the air, especially on 50-50 chances, is massive. And it's always something that the Rebels have had trouble with. Yeah, they're doing a really good job on the back end. Uh, usually we're just like, man, they're giving up the, the, the deep balls, they're getting tip balls, but they're not coming up with the big plays. And now they're coming up with those big plays, tips and overthrows and INTs, and it's contagious as a defensive back. You know, when you see your boy get an INT, you're like, man, shoot, let me get one. You know, let me get in the party. Let me join the, join the gang. So, you know, as a defensive unit, as far as in that secondary, they're doing a really good job. Obviously, you're only good as your D-line. Uh, you know, they're doing a really good job up front. Plant is playing at a high level as well. Um, obviously, the transfer, he's back home now. Uh, so, you know, in the back end, man, as a defensive back, I, I hope I hope they get more interceptions. If they do, I'll probably be hoarse by the time the game is over because I'm really pulling for those guys. On the food front with Grillin McMillan. Yes. Let's talk ribs. What would you do with the ribs this week? Because those looked uh, really good and slathered in sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I marinated with my Boom 3.0 seasons. That's in the works now. It's going to be launching November 1st. It's going to be my new launch with my new labels that you'll be able to get at, uh, you know, Ace Hardware stores. Naked City Pizza here in Las Vegas is also going to use my sauce uh, in some of their pizza and some of their wings as well. Nice. Uh, I'm excited about that, man. Really good guys. Pizza's amazing over there. So shout out to my guys over at Naked City Pizza. But, you know, just marinate the ribs for 24 hours and let them smoke on my smoker. Uh, you know, for about a good two and a half hours, wrapped them up, put a little brown sugar on them, a little butter with some parchment paper for about another hour and took them off and just throw them on the grill for the last 30 seconds to get that nice char, caramelize that sauce. Oh, my goodness. They came out. <laughs> <laughs> Mark McMillan, as we close things out. All right. Off beat question. I've been asking everyone kind of in our age range, you know, like 40 on up. Uh, you're a little older. I'm a little older about TikTok, and I gotta say that while I've looked at TikTok, I'm like, I don't. I, no one's gonna want to watch some 50 year old, you know, plus radio guy. You're actually doing pretty well. You got a following. You got like, I think you almost have a thousand followers. I almost have a thousand followers, man. It, it's crazy, you know, just posting food and posting things that I've done like years ago, you know. And I was like, well, maybe I, I can try this. Uh, I know uh, the influence uh, program is like huge now. You can get sponsors. Uh, from TikTok now, so I'm just trying to grow my numbers. So tonight, man, at the game, we might have to make a TikTok, man. <laughs> okay, that'll be my debut. I, I, I look at TikTok a lot. Um, I follow a lot of people, but I haven't done a TikTok. So, yeah, we'll do, maybe we'll do a video at halftime for both uh, TikTok and, and uh, maybe Twitter and Instagram. So this is this guy's the maven, the, the social media maven. You can follow him uh, at Mark McMillan29. Did I get it right? Mark McMillan, twenty nine. There it is. I always, I always leave out the twenty nine, even though we've been doing stuff for five years. I get a, I get a little. <laughs> Mark, all right, I'll see you. I'll see you. Hey man, too many concussions on the sideline. <laughs> I know, right? I'm, I'm lucky. I haven't gotten uh, cracked yet. So knock on, uh, knock on the table here. All right, Mark, we appreciate it. I'll see you out of the game in just a little bit. All right, appreciate you too, my man. Former Philly Eagle, NFL insider Mark McMillan on Cofield and Company. Up next, we go into the grab bag. Sundays at eight a.m. Get ready for the day in pro football with Adam Candy's Sunday football preview show live inside Westgate Superbook right here on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. It is Grab Bag here from the Golden Circle at the TI, your spot. Get you know, down here. I mean, we're going to be out of here soon. We can come down here anytime, watch games. There's college football. There's baseball. All that on tonight. And then tomorrow morning, Willie and Gooch, two of my absolute favorite people in the world. They'll be on down here. I don't know what they do. Yell at each other, scream at each other, throw the flag, I think it's called. I don't know who named that. It's a wonderful show, though. You should come on down here and hang out with them. They'll prize this for you. You don't even have to come down when they're here. You can hang out anytime at the Golden Circle at the TI. We just finished having some wonderful, wonderful food down here. So that was a good time. But get down here to the TI. And tonight, don't forget, UNLV football coming up 8 o'clock. Golden Knights at 7. The lights at 7. All of that good stuff all around town throughout the weekend. I've got, I think I told this a couple weeks ago on the show, I don't think I've ever been to a baby shower in my life. I'm going to two tomorrow. I don't even know if that's possible. How does something never happen in your life and then two on the same day? Very, very weird uh, that I'll be doing. So I'll be doing that, hanging out around town. And then, of course, the Raiders coming up on Sunday. And here's a public service announcement. If you are an obsessed fantasy player like I am, uh, if you're a better, don't forget it happens every single year. Every year I talk to people that this happens to. There is a 6.30 a.m. game on Sunday. NFL football on this Sunday kicks off at 6.30 a.m. It's the first London game of the year. There's a whole bunch of them, of course, but do not forget Saints and Vikings and really don't forget to set your lineups because it looks like Michael Thomas out, Jameis Winston most likely out. So a whole lot of movement you have to do on your rosters with that 6.30 a.m. game. And if you're getting your parlays, your teasers, your sports bets in, Make sure you do that early and don't wait. Stick your hand in there, Dave. There you go. We lost signal back to the studio, but that's okay. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out what we're doing. Uh, Jerry Judy was upset because Shannon Sharp criticized him last week. So he fired back in just the most juvenile, but also, I mean, it's great, way possible. Jerry Judy came out. And his response to Shannon Sharp criticizing his ability on the field was to talk trash about Shannon Sharp's breath. He tweeted out about his bad breath and that everything that comes out of his mouth stinks just like his breath does. Just a ridiculous, childish tweet. I have no problem with it. I think it's fine. But then he deleted it and said, I'm taking the high road. Too late! You can't, you, can't, you can't say you're taking the high road when you literally just said somebody had bad breath on Twitter? That's ridiculous. There's no, there's no high road. There's no longer a high road there. That's insane. But listen, I love Jerry Judy. I, well, of course, you can't love him this week playing the Raiders. But uh, I, I think I, I love it. I wish he would have kept it up. But you cannot delete that and then say you're taking the high road. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So, I saw the story earlier, the Spence Crawford fight that everybody's been waiting for, even my friends that are just kind of into boxing, that don't love it, and myself, I kind of put myself in that category. I don't have to watch every fight. UFC, yes, but in boxing, I don't have to watch every fight. But Spence Crawford is one that, that, that gets you going. That, that's, a, 
that's a fight everybody's going to gather around and watch. But it looks like either it's going to be delayed or it won't happen at all. And the story that hit said there's a snag in negotiations. Well, that's fine. And, of course, immediately you start getting, you know, texts and people talking about it, posting, oh, Crawford wants more money. Crawford's asking for more money. That's a negotiation. Actually, read the story. Because what it sounds like is what is happening is that Crawford, who's basically promoting himself, has a lower split, but he's not. he doesn't have a guaranteed purse. He's getting a percentage of what is profited, and what he wants is an accounting of where the money's going. So he doesn't want, if, he, if he's getting a percentage of what's made, he doesn't want all this money going into places he doesn't know. And then all of a sudden you come back and like, well, there's no profit. You don't get anything. He just wants an accounting. Now, obviously there's a better split and everything else he wants too, but that's the, the what's at the center of this. So easy on your Crawford's holding this up. Why is he being selfish and wanting more money? Well, let's take a look at exactly what's going on here. That'll do it for us down here, though, at the TI. We are here. So can you. Get on down here. Golden Circle tomorrow morning, 9 to 11. And anytime games are on, come down here. Check it out. Easy to get in. Free parking. You just come on in. Check it out. Golden Circle at the TI. That'll do it for us. Thanks to everybody that we hit on today. Enjoy the games tonight. Golden Knights and UNLV football coming up right here.